Hi, I'm Mara Webster with In Creative Company, and I'm so thrilled today to be joined by Fabian Frankel to talk all about the series House of the Dragon. And I wanted to start by talking a little bit about the way in which you've built this character, because I, I've heard you mention that obviously him being Dornish was, was a really core cool part of how you saw him as a character, particularly because when you were researching that element, um, you know, you were reading a lot about the way that people talk about Dornish people. And so I was interested in, in kind of how that was an initial window into a lot of emotional facets of the character and some of the other spaces that you found it really helpful to research or dive into from the time period or or elements that related to this character in building him yeah it was it was like the, the first point of call for me because like he was the only Dornish character in the show so and the Dornish characters marked me and I feel a lot of audience members so much in the original Game of Thrones um and there's sort of like you know puts him immediately in a very isolated position just based off of the fact that um, the way in which Dornish characters are looked upon by the wealthy and noble families um, in King's Landing and the like, um, you know, they're looked at with disdain and sort of, um, you know, almost like vermin, like, you know, and a, a friend of mine likened it to how the Irish were looked at in England in the in the 40s and 50s, you know, it was like uh, not allowed here and sort of, you know, just a real, like a racism to some extent that sort of I think is existent in you know the original show yeah I love that and then the other element is even just in the first you know few episodes that we've seen so far there's already so much time that has passed and so I was interested in in how helpful it was or not to kind of dive into a lot of the space in between because sometimes you're moving forward quite a significant amount of time episode to episode um you know and so obviously there's been evolutions and and shifts in your character and at the same time one of the really interesting aspects of him is how close to the chest he has to keep everything because of his profession and and his role within working with this family yeah, I mean, it, it's hard to fill in the the in between spaces, but you know, you what you what I found mo most interesting was trying to fill in the space before the show actually starts and trying to figure out how this night of a lowborn uh, family who grew up in Blackhaven and fought in the Dornish marches winds up at this tournament to celebrate the birth of the future king of the Seven Kingdoms. That to me was like, you know, filling in that gap was the sort of essential bit for me. And it was sort of speaking to Ryan um, and and looking at much as I, as I could about the history of what had happened in the Dornish marches, what that would have meant for him to fight in the Dornish marches as a Dornishman um, and uh, and yeah, and then that pitting him against someone like Damon in the first episode, who's essentially the polar opposite to him in so many ways, but then similarly, uh, you know, Matt and I talked a lot about the similarities between them, both feeling like outsiders in their respective ways. And, and within that that jousting scene in the first episode, I know that was one of the first things that you filmed for the whole series and you and Matt spent several weeks doing a lot of training. And I was interested in, in some of the work that you did during that training period, because I'm sure that it wasn't just about that one singular scene, but obviously, you know, we've already seen so many other moments where you've had to lean into the stunt work. And, and a lot of that's also figuring out, like you were saying with your character, having fought and seen combat, he's coming from a place of experience. So figuring out what would his fight level be? What would the way that he moves be um, yeah. and so how did you spend that time over those few weeks really figuring out a lot of the character elements of, of the stunt work the really interesting that you 
ask that because it's, Matt and I talked about this a lot about the styles in which people fight and that Matt wanted to find like an incredibly labored, um, lazy way of fighting for Damon. And I felt the opposite for Kristen Cole, that it was effort for him. And as skilled as he was, you know, it's not like Brad Pitt in Troy, who's just this majestic mover and all this stuff. For me, it was like, it's laborious for him to fight. He loves it, but it's labored, it's exhausting. And there's, um, you know, there's, uh, he fights from his heart rather than fighting from his brain, uh, which I think is like actually quite symbolic of what I thought about him throughout that he is, he's not led here, he's led here and he wears his heart on his sleeve and his sleeve is his armor and his sword and his morning star. And um, yeah, so it was, yeah, it was a lot about, and then, you know, it's a lot of like, figuring out physically where he's different having actually fought in war versus the other characters in the joust certainly who haven't seen actual you know there's a line in the show where Millie's character says well none of these knights have seen actual battle um but Kristen has and there's so there's a weight to that uh that I don't think um a lot of the other characters necessarily have and I think there's quite an interesting aspect as well in the fact that you know he's he's capable of combat but he's not seeking it it's often very much in a defensive mechanism but because of that he has to have this real control to him and the ability to turn it off and on he has to be very astutely aware of everything around him and ready to act at any moment but not the person to instigate and so how did you view that relationship and and how did that inform a lot of the coming in and out of moments where we see him in combat in the show you know what's interesting is like at the by the in the later episodes as the show goes on he is instigating uh fights and Miguel talked a lot about this about him being a brute and 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 to some extent like a, a bully uh uh and, and a thug Miguel talked about him being a thug a lot which I thought was really interesting that he you know, that idea that there's a thug within him and on the surface he's wearing this armor and obeying all these rules and standing to attention. And, you know, what I found so difficult when we started is I'm quite like, I want to move all the time and I want things. And in life we have things. I have a pen to play with or you have like your phone or you fiddling with your hair. Or And actually when you're playing a night of the Kingsguard, they don't have any of that stuff. You have just literally the armor that you wear, the, the two positions you can assume, either at attention or in movement. And um, I found it, it took me a really long time to find the, st the stillness that I felt was right. And actually Ryan pushed me in that direction of just because I found it very difficult initially to find stillness within him and so much of what those nights are is just still and in terms of finding that stillness did you find that once you were on set and once you were in the costume in that physical armor that's you know obviously weighs a huge amount and isn't very versatile in terms of dexterous movement did that really help in in cementing a lot of that as well um and how did you kind of find the movement in a costume like that, where it has to look like he's very comfortable, he's been wearing this most of his life. And at the same time as an actor and as a performer, you're adjusting to it, getting used to it and physically carrying this huge weight around. 
I wish I could tell you that I just put the armor on and magically like found this character, but it really wasn't like that for me. People, I always read these interviews with people, they're like, yeah, and then I got in the costume and bang, the character was there. And I'm like, oh God, I wish that had happened to me. It would have like taken me a lot less long to get, to get something that I felt right about. Um, it was a real process. It took a really long time. Like, um, you know, and also by nature of shooting chronologically, a show that is set over such a long period of time, you are also trying to find the differences that we as human beings would <clears throat> develop over the course of 25 years of our lives, but you're trying to find them in a nine month shooting period, which is where like Tess, who was our, the predominant script supervisor that I worked with was, was amazing because I could go to her and she'd be like, you just come from this, you're going to this. This is what just happened. Because, you know, in life, each thing you see people, you know, it's like, I think that physically human beings become what they are because of what their life experience has been, you know, like you, you, I look at like my granddad and how different both my granddads were and like the, the way they stand, you know, there's a stillness to old people that there isn't to young people because they've lived life enough to realize that stillness, my dad has this quote, my mom always used to tell me that stillness is strength and there is a real uh, strength in stillness to repeat the same line twice um but um yeah so I, it, it was a real pro it took me a long time I love that and I also I know that one of the details for you that is that you also asked to have like a small dagger that wasn't necessarily visible on screen but that you could just have in the small of your back for kind of that physical feeling and I was interested in in the genesis of how you realized that something like that was going to be a helpful tool to you even though it wasn't a visual element that we're seeing in the show You've really done your, you really done your research, hey? Um, yeah, no, I did. Uh, I, I just remember, like, it was weird. I put the armor on and I felt that something, I didn't, there was like a danger that I felt that he had to have. And, and the swords are amazing, but they're massive. And the time it takes, no matter how skilled you are, to get your sword out of its hilt and the distance at which you would actually be able to, you know, you can't, sorry to sound like very violent, but you can't really, stab someone with a sword like it's very difficult and I wanted there to be something that meant that in very close proximity and at the blink of an eye he could take it out of his pocket and that would be that and it just was it was it was also just a lot of fun sort of sitting with the um designers of the you know the weaponry team and um figuring out what kind of dagger it would be, what size it would be, how it would look, where it would sit. Was it on the back left? Was it on the back right? Because you know the back on the on the front right you've got your You've got your sword on your on your front left, and then on your right, you've you've got to reach around if you're having it there. So there was it was really a specific thing of like actually figuring out where this could be that would mean it was the most effective place to have it. Yeah, I also really enjoy his sense of humor as a character and the way that kind of breaks up different moments and different tones in the show a little bit. Like you know when he basically jokingly offers to like kill the princess's dad, you know, and there's no seriousness to it, but it kind of it opens up the space between the two of them a little bit more. Did you find it? Did you find it easy to kind of figure out what the approach of, of those comedic lines in the show would be? Or was it a little bit of a balance when you looked at the rest of the tones of the show? I think that I think there's humor is in everything. And at the how however serious this show is, and what made Game of Thrones such a success was that you had these characters that made you laugh all the time. You know, whether it was Tormund or whether it was uh like uh Brienne of Tarth or whether and there were all these quick witty one-liners that I think are just like amazingly filtered into this script that is ultimately a very, very self-serious 
contained story. Um, but I think you just take them as they are. You know, I, I didn't see them. Oh, this is a comic line so much. I just thought how, you know, how would he say it if he was going to say that? And, I, and also, I think there's, you know, he's joking. But I also think if he wanted to, he could. You know. Yeah. I mean, it also comes forth a little bit in, um, you know, post the jail scene, the interactions with Matt Smith, you know, I think the first time they see each other again, he he's not afraid to remind him, oh, I'm the person that beat you in that mm. in that duel. Mm. Um, and and I liked that kind of balance that you created where it's it's a lot of confidence, but it's not overly cocky because he still has to be a little bit careful because of his station and the difference between them. And so how did you find that balance of, of confidence without it becoming too cocky in him as a character I think it was given to me but in the writing to be honest you know they didn't write him as an arrogant character and 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 actually he's he's just you know he's there it's a dance ultimately all that stuff his relationship with Damon is a dance his relationship with Rhaenyra is a different dance his relationship with Viserys is a different dance so you know ultimately that's just his relationship with Damon I think that uh you know Matt and I talked about it a lot like you know they, they Matt always says he's like I, I think they fancy each other somewhat and I think there is like a thing of like you know people who you really respect you end up sort of uh toying with and um and yeah I think Damon toys with Kristen all the time and, and I think Kristen enjoys it I don't think he, especially given the fact that he's bested him already you know I, I don't I think it, there's a sense of relishing those kinds of interactions and and speaking of the relationship dynamic with Rhaenyra and working with Millie on that you know it's kind of going back to what we were talking about earlier with time moving forward quite a lot that relationship dynamic between the two of them and the level of comfort that they develop and the fact that he becomes a real confidant to her as someone in her life is really one of the big ways in which we feel the passing of time and the closeness that develops between the two of them and so I was interested in how you and Millie really worked together to cement the foundation of what that looked like at the beginning but then also to kind of create this very delicate arc between these two characters that progresses we went to the pub a lot and just sort of like shared a bottle of wine and we just spent, no, we really did. We just spent a lot of time together. We, uh, I probably spent the most amount of time with Millian over the course of this job. We, we instantly became very, very close. I think we were, were both definitely the least experienced um, members of this cast. And so there was very much a feeling of let's, if we latch onto each other where everything will be fine. Um, and yeah, we talked about it a great deal. We talked about wanting to feel that we that people would really care about their relationship because obviously you also have the relationship that Damon has with Rhaenyra, which is a totally different thing where she's kind of in awe of Damon and, and Damon is this sort of rebellious uh, uncle of hers who but who also is rebellious within the constraints of the fact that he is a prince and can be rebellious and Cole can't. Um, and when he is, that ends up being his demise to some extent. Um, so yeah, it was a lot of conversations and a lot of um, figuring that out with Claire, Claire Kilner directed most of mine and Millie's stuff. Um, and uh, and she, she, Claire was incredible at sort of ha- helping us have these incredibly open conversations um, and, and, and trying to like find the rhythms of when the relationship uh, moves and when it stays static. 
did you have a sense for yourself of where you felt like there became a romantic undercurrent for your character? Because obviously it's not something that he can take the lead on and express out loud. Was it, was it the moment where she comes to his room or for you, was there an undercurrent of that that already existed for him? Yeah, I, I don't think he, I don't think he sees her romantically until that moment. Uh, I think he loves her and I think he feels protective of her and he's in awe of her and she possesses so many traits that he only wishes he could have the way she thinks and uh, the, also the weight on her shoulders that is not a weight that is on his, although he wears the weight of being a Knight of the King's guard incredibly uh, heavily. It's not the pressures of eventually becoming Queen of the Seven Kingdoms. So, um, yeah, I, th I think it's... Uh, it's a it's a feeling of um, just negotiating that space as much as we both could, you know. And for him as well, there's there's moments where he probably can't say everything out, you know, even just in general conversation where she's asking about, do you think people will accept me as queen one day? And he's like, well, they'll have no choice to. And, you know, maybe he wants to say something different to that, but he kind of very much has to always stay by the party line in terms of the loyalty of his job. Um, and so what was that like in terms of that dynamic and finding the moments where you felt like what he was saying was true to him and then what he was saying was the thing that he needed to say in that moment for people? It's really difficult. It's I think so much of what he says is not what he feels. That's the difficulty. And I think that's the case for a lot of the characters in this show. I think that's what makes it so interesting. It's a world in which no one's allowed to say anything, but everyone wants to say everything. And he's uh, party to that exact feeling. Um, and certainly he's constrained even more so by the fact that he is her sworn protector. He has been hired to do a job and that job is to protect Rhaenyra. Um, but, you know, I think that she, Millie and I were just talking about this in an interview that, you know, they relied on each other in a lot of ways. I think he, she was his inspiration um, he is, she is his inspiration and he is for her a confidant and someone she can trust who's got sound advice, but also, you know, as you put it so well, like he can't say what he feels. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to also talk a little bit about filming the scene where Rhaenyra does come to come and kind of like pull him into her room that night because I thought the two of you played that so delicately and so beautifully in terms of the different moments and the different emotional beats for both characters and what it means to them to take that action in that moment you know and even just down to the fact that she's very much kind of like leading the charge and you know there's even that moment where you put your hand up to kind of try and stop her at the beginning um and it's you know he ha he has like reticence before he kind of allows himself to go to that place and so how did the, the two of you figure out a lot of the emotional choreography and then how that led into the moment for him where he's willing to participate, he's willing to kind of let his guard down in that way, because as we see later on, he knows that there's huge ramifications for him. I mean, literally it's sterilization and torture that could be the outcome and he's taken a vow of chastity. So it's a huge thing for him to take that step. You know, the, the thing that Millie and I talked about more than anything was wanting at all costs to avoid another gratuitous sex scene. Um, like which has been done so often and in so many movies and TV shows over the course of the last however many years. And we wanted it to feel like it was real and that the sex scene was a product of a bunch of decisions that had to be made by these two people in this moment. And that the decisions that were being made were the scene, not the actual sex scene that is like sweat glistening off some beautiful people's backs. Cause that's just not what sex is. Like it's, it's awkward and it's tense. And especially when you're young and it's, 
it's your first experiences for you know i don't know that it's his but certainly it's hers and 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 um so we wanted so much to find out what it would actually be like how hard is it to get the armor off on your own how long is it that we were thinking about i remember we did it and i was like time how long it takes me to take my shoes off like it took me like four minutes to get my shoes off i mean that's a real thing that would have happened so the reality of those scenes when you see them in movies and it's cut and these clothes are being thrown off the next thing you know they're like it's just not like that so we worked like really for a long time and spoke a lot with our intimacy coordinator miriam but predominantly led with claire kilner who I go back to a lot because I just think she was masterful in handling that scene um, as to finding a scene that felt as real as possible and off the back of normal people which had just come out and I thought was so beautifully uh, managed that their intimacy scenes in that show and um, so yeah we we, we, it ended up being a scene that I, I think you know Millie and I have spoken about we're really proud of that scene and we're proud that it's a different it's a very different scene to to what we've seen in previous iterations of TV shows and movies set in, in you know, medieval-esque time periods. Absolutely, because it's all about the, the moment between these characters and the emotional impact of what it means. Um, and even within that, what it means afterwards, and particularly for him in, in terms of, you know, wanting this thing, but also the guilt that he feels. And so for you, how did you want to go into the next scene and kind of like, what what is it like when they see each other again in the show after this? And, and what's yeah. kind of you know, going back to so many things being unspoken, now there's a whole other Pandora's box of things that they're not necessarily talking about with each other. Well, it's, I mean, you know, I think to, to make it like feel how life feels it's awkward the first time you see someone after you slept with each other like you know it's an awkward feeling certainly if it's been a friend of yours or someone you've known for a period of time there's like a trepidation that goes into it you're wondering if they had a good time if you had a good time and then that added on to that sorry the pressures of the actual world that has been created in this you have like um you know a character who simultaneously probably feels um an incredible sense of jubilation at the fact that he's managed to sort of like share this amazing night with the, a woman that he has developed incredibly strong feelings for but simultaneously a great deal of regret um about betraying his vows as a knight um and also the fear that someone will actually find out yeah. And then obviously he ends up in a conversation with with the king's wife where he doesn't know that she's talking about a different interaction. And, it, you know, and so that's the moment where he confesses to it. Do you think had he not been pulled into that conversation that he would have revealed what happened? Because it does feel like in that moment that the guilt has been weighing on him quite a lot. Yeah, I mean, I don't think that I don't think that he, I think he's very happy for it to stay a secret as, as long as he possibly can. Um I think that, you know, Emily Carey played that scene so beautifully. Um, she pries it out of him unwillingly um, because she doesn't know that um, it's him that she's talking about. And, uh, and, and the guilt is ultimately too much for him. And he's given an opportunity because of how long it takes her to get to the point of what she's actually trying to say that he can't bear the anticipation of what might come any longer. And so fully admits to what he's done. 
And then I, I also want to talk a little bit about the end of episode five and, and the fight scene that comes into that, because to start with, it's a huge scene with so many actors in it, so many elements. And um, so there's a lot of intricacies that come even just with filming a scene like that and even elements of, you know, there's there's moments where we're really focusing on him in the scene and it's really, you know, narratively driven by him, but then we're also servicing other stories, but your character's still kind of in the frame and in the background. So we're still kind of catching little elements. And so what was the experience of going into filming a scene that's like that grand in terms of scale and some of the intricacies that come with that? It was such a mad scene to shoot just by nature of the amount of extras there were and the amount of central characters that feature in that one montage essentially of this wedding um uh it was kind of amazing like i remember i get i got to set <clears throat> and they set the scene up with um with uh, your stand-ins you know just from a positional standpoint and again this is testimony to how amazing claire kilner is but i remember getting to set the whole thing had been set up and they had Kristen Cole standing in a certain place um, and they were ready to shoot and it was going to be the, the, the wide and everything was set. And I just remember feeling like this was completely the wrong place for him to stand. He was so out in the open and I thought all he would want to do is be as hidden as possible in a corner somewhere, not facing the party, not facing any of it because he doesn't want to face what he's done. <clears throat> And Claire literally was about to yell action. And I was like, Claire, I feel like I'm in the wrong place here. And she literally went, cut, stop everything, sat with me for 10 minutes, talked about it. Why do you think this is? And repositioned everything so that I could be lent up against the wall, <clears throat> isolated, facing away from, uh, you know, uh, everything. Sorry. Um, someone just came in. Uh, and, um, and uh, yeah, so it was kind of, yeah, she's amazing, Claire. And we spoke so much about sort of tracking his journey at the wedding and what that would have been. What what would it have meant to watch her do her first dance um, with her husband-to-be and what it would have been like to see Damon dancing with her and how the feeling was when uh, the celebrations occurred and he can't dance and he can't be a part of any of it. He just has to stand there and do his duty, do his duty uh, as her sworn protector whilst still uh, experiencing all this stuff lent up against the wall in all his armor. Um, yeah, it was kind of, it was amazing. And then, you know, obviously things unfold in the way that they do at that wedding um, due to someone sort of pushing his buttons one too many times. Right. And, and to that point as well, I, I it was so fascinating to watch such a trajectory shift in this character and kind of going back to what you were saying earlier that you always felt like there was a brutish element underneath him like that's the, that's the first moment where we really really get to see that in full force and it's such unbridled anger and from such an emotional place um and so what was that like going into filming a moment like that and knowing exactly what where it's coming from for him as a character and and also having had a few episodes at that point of playing the character really building up that relationship to know exactly where it's coming from in all the different spaces for him I remember just saying to Claire um can we do the close-up first I just, I just said is there any way we can not because it's such a physically demanding scene just literally by nature of throwing that many punches um against the sort of beanbag um for that long and, uh, you know, credit to her again. She just said, absolutely. And I remember she, they put a camera here, put a camera here, they put a camera here, and she just let me do it. And um, 
and you know it became what it became we did we did two takes at it that was it i never had to do it again um she had all the extra standing around so that they could get it in that one take that they ended up using and um you know I, I, you can't really prepare a scene like that i don't think um certainly i can't i, yeah, I didn't know what it's going to be i hadn't practiced it or done anything you just let it be what it is and um yeah and yeah it was you know it's it's a very violent it's a very violent scene it's it's it's, it's shocking I, I i just saw it for the first time yet uh, two days ago and i'm just like jesus poor solly mcleod who played um the, the character that i um ended up kind of killing quite barbarically but um yeah and did you have the chance to film that scene before the moment where we then see him outside and he's essentially about to take his own life when he's interrupted <laughs> and, and was that also what you were just saying for a scene like that even though it's a very different type of scene was that also one where you have to kind of just come in and find it on the day yeah, very similarly. We were, Claire and I went in a week before just to see where we were shooting it so we could map out where the where it, it might happen. But um, yeah, on the day, a lot of it was like, how's he going to get his armor off? Same thing, armor gate, as, I call, as we like to call it. But, you know, how are we going to get the armor off? How, how would one kill themselves? Uh, uh, what's the... The, the the actual technicalities of how one um, does it. And we spoke to like various people who know who know, know a lot about swords and know a lot about uh, sort of the pressure points in the body that one would be able to do that in. And so it was about finding this, the specificity of what that thing was, what that meant to him. Um, you know, there's a bit where he hangs his cloak and I think that's very, um, you know, um, symbolic of, of him hanging up his cloak literally and metaphorically um and yeah but we did shoot it we shot it after i shot that scene so i knew at least i remember i remember shooting the the killings of uh sir joffrey's scene in five and all i remember was how exhausted i was after shooting it not um, not emotional i didn't feel sad i didn't feel i just felt exhausted physically exhausted and mentally exhausted and um and so my the, that thing for me was like ah oh, he must just be knackered so i didn't want it to feel like some big dramatic emotional moment where he's going he's just knackered he's done he doesn't want to be around anymore he's happy to call it quits and then and in what no, 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 no. And then and just to say that, and then Alison obviously stops him doing what he's going to do, you know. Yeah, absolutely. And and in working on the show overall, you've, you've mentioned how one of the really great things is the fact that, you know, especially with so many cast members, that everybody comes with their own specific style of how they work and how they prepare and how they go into scenes. And that it was such a great opportunity to really observe and watch and take a little bit from everybody's methodology. And, and so for you, what was kind of the style or process that you ended up adopting or molding into this particular project for yourself based on the fact that you had this opportunity to work with so many different people who are approaching scenes in different ways? I think it's trusting that you've done the work beforehand and then it trying to enjoy the actual day. Because mm -hmm. I, I, I'm not, I, I can't stay in it. Like, you know, I, I know actors who can sort of stay in it for 10, 12 hours a day. It's just not, I can't do it like that. I, 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 I've done everything I can to prepare. There's no preparation that goes in on the day because it's all, I hope at least that what the decisions that I've made leading into this spot um, of shooting a scene like that or any scene is enough for me to trust that what's going to happen will be, and you just got to surrender yourself. Like I remember the first job I ever did, 
did a pilot in America and I was so adamant that I wanted to be completely prepared. I remember I was off book at the read through. It was like three weeks before we started filming for the whole episode. And it ended up being a hindrance. Like I ended up feeling so attached to the decisions I'd made before I got there that I couldn't surrender to what was happening in front of me, that the chairs were different to how I thought they were going to be, or that someone was set in a different place to where I thought they were going to be. And actually, if you, if you, attach yourself to what you think something's going to be and it ends up being different if you can't let go then you're basically fucked um so um yeah so i just it's just about sort of surrendering yourself to the people you're doing the scenes with and the surroundings that you're put in absolutely well it's it's such a fantastic performance in these first few episodes and i'm so excited Uh, to see the rest of what you built into this character in the season thank you so much i I really appreciate it thank you very very much bye-bye